Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by More Plumbing Supplies Bath and Kitchen Showplace. Michael? Yeah. How can I help you? Uh, I just had a question for you. I've got a, an older home. It was built in 88. And uh, the upper story on it has uh, wood siding on it, the old T111. Uh-huh. And I'd like to replace that with like some hardboard or something, you know, better material. Um, what what do you suggest putting on behind that that siding as far as something with insulation value or what, what's the best thing to do on that? Well, let me ask you the the T one eleven that's up there. Is it in bad shape? I Very. mean, is it, it it's rotting and everything? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Take it off. And you typically are going to be able to see your insulation behind it then. If the insulation is, you know, if you need insulation, that's a perfect time to put it in. And uh, if you like the looks of the T111, Hardy actually makes a siding that matches that. Or you Mm -hmm. can go with the lap siding, which is what most people are using nowadays. And uh, Hardy has some of the lap siding now that has foam insulation behind it. Okay. And so that you can add our value that way. And if I was going to want to do that myself, how how is that stuff attached? And and actually, you know, since you asked that, if you're looking to do this yourself, that foam, the one that has the, the foam on the back would probably be the ideal way to do it because that gives you the exact lap on the the siding so that one piece sits on top of the other you don't have to line it up or anything you just get the first piece on straight and the rest just stack on it like dominoes Uh, as far as how you attach it they make special nails and screws for attaching it straight into the the studs or you can put uh, plywood behind it Uh, on the second floor that way i typically wouldn't really worry about having to have plywood behind it I, yeah. If the if the studs are at 16 inch centers, I would just go from stud to stud. The big trick on attaching Hardy though, you don't sink the nails. When the head of the nail gets down to where it's touching the siding, that's where you stop. You don't push the head of the nail into the siding. Okay. And then do you have to put anything over those nails to cover them, or? Uh, you're typically nailing on the top. And so the next board that goes over it covers the name. Okay, I got you. Very good. Okay, I think that helps. All right. Well, good luck with that. Thank you. Hey, let, let me give you one quick trick. Uh, you know, see, if, if you're thinking about doing this yourself, you can you can either go buy it or rent you some scaffolding. It's a whole lot easier than trying to go up the ladders and and do it. <laughs> now they do they do make where you could put some ladders with ladder jacks, and that works out fine as well. But don't try to do it off single ladders. Get something where you got planks to walk across. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely need that because there's, you know, there's some places that's got, you know, the lower roof that you could be on, but the others are just straight up, and you know, you don't want to be on a ladder doing that. No, no, it's just it's it's no fun, and and it's just so much easier if you got the 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 tools make the job. Exactly. Okay. Thank you so much for your help. You bet. Take care. Pat, this is Jim. How can I help you? Help me, please. We bought a brand new house about 20 years ago, 
and the upstairs floor squeaked. When the guys came out to fix it, they just ran a bunch of nails in it. I'm going to tell you what I think is the problem, and you tell me how do we go about fixing it. I think that the underlying floor joist was curved. It wasn't smooth on the top, so that every time the floor on top went, that you walked on it, it, it sank down, and it, it would squeak. So now I need to figure out how to fix it. I'm going to be in this house until I pass away, and I don't want it squeaking as much as I do when I walk. Yeah. So do I need to cut out the top and maybe then put a, a brace on the side of the board to, to bring it level so that when I put the new floor back on top, then I have it level? Won't change a thing. Say it again? That, that wouldn't change a thing. What no. You, no. What you, what you need to do, because all the bracing in the world, it's it's really not going to be the, the floor joist underneath that's causing the problem. What happens, you know, when they nail those floors down? As time goes on, the nails start working their way up a little bit. And so I'm, now the board I, squeaks on it. Uh, what you need to use is screws. I asked him to screw it when they were doing it. Well, 20 years ago, they weren't using screws for that stuff though it was all done with nails back then uh, but nowadays we're, we're using screws and for retrofitting like what you have if say you had carpet on there they actually make some screws that have a breakaway head that you can screw the go down in and as you tighten it up the, the head of the screw will snap off so that it doesn't have to pull the carpet down oh uh, but, see, now you're gonna make my husband happy i want to just tear it up <laughs> <laughs> so there are options other than just tearing it up <laughs> okay next question now if you want new carpet you tell the husband it's got to come out and jim said that the only way to do that is take the carpet out <laughs> put the screws down. but if he goes back and listens to the podcast he's gonna know the didn't <laughs> he's out of town he's not listening okay okay next question i have uh i had my windows replaced Went with the middle um, bid, uh -huh. not good. Need to have them redone because the the apparently the seals have broken because now I have moisture in the in between the double panes. Well, Pat, this is your moment. Yes. I, have, I happened to call. Uh, I sent uh, Trey a text a little while ago for him to call in, and while I've been talking to you, he called in. And he's Texas' only windowologist at America's Choice Windows. And if you don't mind, I'm going to bring him up. We'll talk about your windows, and then we're going to answer that hurricane window question yeah. as well. Okay? So hang okay. on one second. Let me see if I can uh, if I can remember how to bring two people up at once. Oh, here we go. Okay. Pat, we got you on still? Yes, hi, Trey. Hey, Pat, how are you doing? I I'm not used to so many people so excited to hear from me. <laughs> I'm I love home projects, so I'm extremely excited. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for listening to the program, and I know, Jim, really appreciate you calling in. So what I caught, I caught the tail end of your question about you bought you got some windows and you got some seal failures. Yes. And my husband thought he was going to fix the moisture in one of them, and he went to drill a hole with the drill bit, and I'm, I'm hollering no, and then the window <laughs> cracked. 
<laughs> yeah, that, that, that's not the right way to do it. <laughs> well, uh, so where are you at? Where are you at with it right now? Are you uh, are you able to to keep moisture out if the window cracked? Are you okay with that right now? It won't get moisture in there. I'm okay. I I, I want to change it out as soon as possible. My it's not urgent, but I don't want to keep well, looking re- at it. Well, the reason I asked that question was is because if I needed to come help you remedy your problems, because I know we got rain coming in for next week forecast as well, that you know we can maybe do a quick a quick solution for you so that you didn't get moisture into your into your inner home there. Oh no, uh, there's no moisture in the house from that. Okay. 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 Good. So yeah, so here's what happens when you have when you have when you have a a when you have a seal on a window that has 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 been breached. What happens is the frame's typically moving. Maybe there's some foundation settling. There's several things going on why a frame of a window may uh, cause that IG, what we call the, the the window itself, the window that you look out for, uh, to to crack or rupture where you have a breach in it, which causes moisture, which is ambient temperature getting hot and cold at one point, causing moisture to get in between the two panes. And then there's no way to fix it other than take that out and replace the IG unit or replace the entire window. But the way that these repair companies have have manipulated the system, it's cheaper example truly. And I say this not only because Jim is, you know, endorsing for us, for America's Choice Windows, it's actually cheaper to replace the entire window than it is to replace the IG unit because they're charging $220 a, a, a pane to replace it because they got to take it out and, and reglaze the, the, that portion that was that was breached. Or what, in your in your go ahead. And I'm okay with replacing it. I am. Yeah. Because, so, yeah. Okay. So to to everyone else that's listening, if you have a moisture issue between the two panes of glass, do not get a drill and drill a hole in the glass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it's a, yeah, it sounds like what we're going to have to do is just replace the, the whole frame and everything. So you American that. Choice Windows? America's Choice Windows, yes, ma'am. You can reach America. us at 713 uh-huh. 482 Okay. 8902, and, and my people are in the office today until 4 o'clock today. So okay. So let them know you talk to me personally, and um, uh, uh, I'll, I'll see what we can do to get out there and, and take care of it. And, and I'd love to meet your husband, by the way, because that's pretty crafty. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> We've done a lot of home self, uh, projects. We haven't killed each other. We've done excellent jobs. But uh, Windows is not his strong suit. And some of those other suits could require duct tape. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. Pat, thank you so much for the call. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Give us a call. Hey, Trey, okay, so because uh, I'm going to be running out of time here. Uh, sure. Hurricane window, hurricane glass. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had to call, and the guy was asking, are both panes of glass hurricane glass, or is it just the outer one? Okay, so here is it, here it is. So uh, the way a window, if you can imagine this, draw draw a rectangle. I don't care what size of rectangle you draw. 
you have a piece of glass, you have a laminate coating. Now that's your most important part, because people say, "Well, I have a, I have a, um, a coating in between the two panes." Well, what is that coating? Well, the laminate coating is actually what's going to stop the what, what they call the missile test, or what you're calling the two before test. Right. Okay. That's what's going to stop the glass from actually penetrating completely. Now you'll have a sacrificial glass, and typically it's on the outside, so the outside pane will be the sacrificial glass. So the outside, the, the outside one, if it gets hit, will still break, but it's the inner one that doesn't? That's right, because of the way the laminate coating, if you can imagine a sandwich or an Oreo cookie yeah. smushed together. No. Now, see, so, I would have thought just the opposite, that the outside one would have been the one protected. But So it does make sense, then, to go ahead and put plywood on it just to minimize your... Not that it's going to come in the house, but that glass is still subject to break on the outside. Well, exactly because I, Jim, you know, I live I live in Galveston County, and uh, I've got the I've got the windows in my house, and I'm not just saying that to be on air, but I've got and I cover my windows too. I, I use uh, the corrugated covering system. Yeah. I don't want my insurance company to come back and go, well, you know, you had an option and you chose not to cover it, and then yep. or something, and and you just protect yourself a little better. So it, it, it's almost a falsehood. Uh, but it is good if that's your rental property or, or, or you're not able to put those window treatments up there to get impact windows. I would like to bring on Jenny with More Supply Company's Bath and Kitchen Showplace. And how are you today, Jenny? I'm good, Jim. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. We haven't talked in a while. I know. I'm ready for the next project. I, I need another couple weeks, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm ready. So whenever you're ready. <laughs> okay. And, and, and what Jenny's talking about was we just did the uh, Garcia project overhaul for a hero, and uh, more supply company really helped out a lot with uh, different fixtures we needed and and stuff. And first of all, thank you very much for that. Absolutely. Now you know a, a lot of times people <laughs> don't think about going to a store like More Supply Company and and the Bath and Kitchen Showplace, when it comes to their plumbing supplies, everybody you know just automatically thinks they're going to go to the box stores and see everything that's available, and that is so far from the truth. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's a lot. It's really far from the truth. A lot of people think, oh, they kind they kind of cater only to plumbers, which yeah, we cater to plumbers, but we're very uh, we cater a lot to our residential clients as well. Our showroom offers such a tailored, um, personable service for every client that walks through the door from any budget. Um, uh, we take the time to sit with clients and discuss their investments and educate them on what they're buying, too, because, you know, if you're spending money on an investment on a remodel, you want to know that what you're buying is quality. Um, there's warranties to back up these products, and that's that's what we do for our customers. Hey. And you and you mention it. I mean, you, let's face it. I mean, you guys do do a lot with plumbers, but even plumbers will bring their customers in to take a look at the different fixtures and stuff you guys have available. Oh yeah, I mean, a lot of plumbers they 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 will only send their their customers to us, and a lot of them too. You know, their warranties are based upon where they buy their fixtures. A lot. I mean, I get a lot of feedback from customers there. Well, my plumber, you know you know, told me to come here because he wouldn't warranty, you know, the, the faucet that I was going to buy from the box store. It had to come from here. And so we kind of have to educate them on why that is, um, you know, because we've got all these great purchase orders to back us up. If, if things happen to have a leak, you know, everybody gets 
things every now and then from a manufacturer that's just, you know, not rival. We jump in and we take care of that problem. That way the job can get done in a timely manner. Um, and our customer service is completely there. You know, we're, we're very passionate about our clients and, and we're always available for questions. I mean, we even get involved in the design services of that. Um, you know, and our team in League City has been there. We don't have turnover rates. Everybody's been, you know, people will come to the door like, oh, my gosh, you guys are still there. Yeah, we've been here for a long time. We, we've created really good relationships with these plumbers, faucet manufacturers, and clients as well. Well, and when you got a good job, you want to keep it. Yeah, I mean, it's a great <laughs> company. I mean, and, and it's a wonderful um, industry also to be in. You know that. <laughs> yeah. Now, when people come into one of the one of the stores, you know, more supply companies, bath and kitchen show place, you know, either type of store, uh, the first thing they're going to notice is it's not the same stuff you see on the shelf everywhere else. I mean, it is specialty stuff. But it's high quality stuff. It's the it, it's stuff that once you put it in, it's there to stay. And that's correct. And you know, a lot of the faucet manufacturers, um, they do specific things different for wholesalers as far as you know, developing a, a brass bodied product. The drain kits aren't going to be plastic, like they're going to be at a box store. They're going to be metal or brass. Um, the overall weight of the fixture itself is going to be much more substantial, and you can feel the difference. And yep. Um, you, like I said, you know, even with the toilets, the class, the classic flushing technology, everything is totally different. And, you know, a lot of people think like, oh, you know, I don't want to spend a lot of money. You absolutely don't have to. We have specific private, private label brands um, that are available for customers who are on a tight budget. I mean, most of us are all on a tight budget at some point. And, and we do whatever we have to do to make that client happy with their purchase. And it's Fit their budget. That's a super important thing. Nobody wants to go in and spend a ton of money on a quality product. They want to be able to get that quality product at a fair price, and we make that happen for our clients. Now, if, if somebody wants to find one of your locations, I tell them all the time, bkshowplace.com. Correct. Uh, and that, that's where they can go and, and find where your locations are, but you got a lot more information there as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've got galleries um, that they can look at the locations. A lot of them have pictures of the showrooms on there, which are, you know, completely minimal to what we have to offer in person. Um, contact information is on there as well. And it also gives you a list of all the vendors that we buy from. I mean, major faucet companies, anywhere from Kohler to a custom company. Um, we've got it all. Well, Jenny, I appreciate you taking time out of your Saturday to talk with us today. Absolutely. Anytime. All right. Well, you have a great weekend, and and uh, enjoy your afternoon. You too, Jim. Thank you. You bet. Bye-bye. Sam, how can I help you? Well, I'm good. Uh, I was listening to you yesterday, and you were uh, talking about the use of foam, spraying foam. Yeah. And uh, fiberglass in the ceiling. Yes. Tell me where closed-cell foam and open-cell foam applies, and how thick should it be? And... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've always wondered about this igloo concept where you spray everything in. Yeah, I'm not a fan just, of. I'm not a fan of the igloo concept. Yeah, you can't get rid of the humidity in the house. Exactly. So you, be, you, come, you so I'll, uh, I'll hang up and listen. Okay. I appreciate it. You bet. Yep. Okay, let's let's start with the spray foams, the closed cell versus open cell. Closed cell foam means it's not going to take on water. It doesn't absorb anything. It, it's, it's basically closed to doing anything. The, the open cell 
is almost like a sponge. If water gets on it, it will absorb it and hold it much like a sponge. Now, for most insulation cases, it's done with the open cell. And so, you know, and, and if you're spraying in the walls and things like that, the open cell is fine. It's not going to hurt a thing. It's only if you get a water leak does it become an issue. Where I will typically tell you use a closed cell foam is if for some reason you want to do the underside of, say, a, a block and base home or a pier and beam home, I will tell you to use a closed cell foam there. And the main reason is there's humidity under there. I don't want the insulation absorbing that moisture and holding it against the wood underneath the home and causing wood rot. So that's the main reason for using the closed cell in a space like that. In general, in the walls, open cell is just, is just fine. The reason I don't want to encapsulate the home, when you encapsulate the home, you seal everything. And that means no air is getting in or out. And your house is sealed so well, you're in the house breathing. You know, you're, you're, you're basically exhaling humidity. You're, ex you know, uh, messing up the, uh, the matrix of the air inside the home. Now, the air conditioning system is going to dehumidify it, and that's all great. But if it's not working totally right, it can increase the moisture levels in the home as well. And if you do a, a uh, encapsulated home, you actually have to bring fresh air in from outside through the air conditioning system. So you become very dependent on that air conditioning system working properly and doing everything it's supposed to do. Now, in general, that sounds fine. And it works great up in the northern states. It was developed for cold weather. We, we however, if you go outside today, we're not in the cold weather. It's hot out. Put your igloo ice chest outside. Close it up. Just leave it there for two hours. Open it. What do you smell? It's musty because the air inside can't do anything other, other than sit there and bake and, and, and become stagnant. It, the same thing happens in a home when you, do a close, when you close the, the entire envelope. Now, up in the northern states, put that same igloo ice chest outside. Leave it there for a week when it's cold out open it up it still smells fresh that's what the insulate you know that that total envelope enclosure was developed for they've moved it down here not a great idea i love foam insulation but i want i use it in the walls in the attic i use fiberglass because whether you got foam insulation in the attic or fiberglass insulation you're typically going to go to an r38 r39 somewhere in that range okay R38s and R38, whether it's done with fiberglass or done with foam. So why not do it with fiberglass so the house can still breathe? In the walls, you got the foam insulation because inch for inch, you're not going to find a better insulation than foam. It seals the walls so you don't get the air infiltration. It it uh, gives you the highest R value you can get for that four inches that you have in some homes. You know, you, they use two by sixes, so you got a little bit more. Nonetheless... Regardless of how you do it, foam in the walls, fiberglass in the attic. When you do the fiberglass, formaldehyde-free. You don't need all those gases that come out of the insulation that has formaldehyde in it. But whether you use a blown-in fiberglass or the bat fiberglass, doesn't matter. Just use the fiberglass so it can breathe. Now, my personal preference is to use the bat. 
and the main reason blown-in insulation will tend to settle over time. And so you end up adding to it. When you put bat insulation up there, whatever thickness you put, it's there to stay. Never have to worry about replacing it. Never have to worry about adding to it. The only thing you have to worry about is, did you let critters get up there and tear it up? That's it. And, and leaks and things like that. But if you maintain your house, it's not a problem. So there's my take on the insulation. Uh, again, my, and when, when we've redone homes, uh, like when we did the firefighter's home for the Pattersons, uh, we, we put foam in the walls. That house was built in the 50s, so we retrofitted it with foam insulation in the walls, and we blew fiberglass in the attic. In, uh, in most cases, what you'll find is by using the foam in the walls, not only do you get a higher R value, but you're going to deaden sound so much more. I mean, it really makes the house more comfortable because you're, you're not letting all the sound from outside in as easily. It'll drop it down uh, 70-80%. Uh, your temperatures are, are so much nicer. It, it just makes all around a more comfortable, better home. Uh, now, for the retrofit, you can go to foammywalls.com and uh, take a look at that product. That's a great retrofit. And regardless of the age of the home, that's a way you can retrofit it with foam. If you got insulation in the walls, it'll encapsulate it, but it seals up all those air gaps. Um, if, you, if you're building a home, you have them come in and spray the foam before the sheetrock goes on. Code requires that. Even though nowadays radiant barriers can do a lot of what insulation used to do, our codes haven't caught up to the technology. And so you still have to have the insulation. Um, in perfect worlds, you're going to use both the insulation and a radiant barrier to give you the most cost-effective and energy-efficient home that you can get. Uh, and if, you, if truly, if you want to build it that way, put your skin on the outside. And by skin, I mean like your plywood or sheathing, whatever you're going to use. You spray your foam into the walls. You can now add a radiant barrier, whether you do one on the outside where you have an air gap or if you use like the Energy Q that doesn't require an air gap because it's a multi-layer system, you put it behind the sheetrock. Either way, that added radiant barrier makes a huge difference on the comfort level. I've got a little place in uh, Woodville, uh, East Texas. It's out at the, the deer lease there. It's uh, just, I mean, 980 square feet, just shy of 1,000 square feet. And we encapsulated that place with the radiant barrier. And, I mean, it is so energy efficient. Uh, we've got one little air conditioner in there. We used a ductless system in it. And uh, whether it's heating or cooling, and it's got all cathedral ceilings going up to the, the roof rafters and everything, that thing just heats and cools like it's unbelievable. It, it, I, I can't believe how energy efficient it came out building it that way. Lloyd, how can we help you today? Uh, uh, thank you. I'm a new listener. I've just been, but here's my question. I've got a relative that lives in East Texas. He recently remodeled his 1,300-square-foot home and uh, heavily insulated it. But the contractor moved him from a three-ton compressor on his air conditioner to a four-ton, and now it seems like it cools real good, but it just, the house just seems humid. Is, is there any suggestion about what might be causing that? 
could it be an oversized compressor? Yeah, that's that's usually the case. If you've gone and made upgrades and improved the windows, the insulation, and you actually went up and cut it, what should have happened is uh, heat load analysis should have been done on the house, and most likely the tonnage should have gone down. So the system is probably doing what we call short cycling. It's coming on, it's cooling the air quickly, but it's not removing the humidity. What we want out of the air conditioner is we want it to come on, and we want it to run for a longer period of time, that's where the moisture removal run comes in. So it sounds like your system is oversized, and you're probably going to need a smaller outdoor unit to accommodate to get the comfort that you're looking for. Okay. So that, I, in other words, the uh, only solution really is to go back to the original or smaller size. Well, I would have I would actually have the heat load calculation performed. Because it may not even be a three-ton if you've done these other things to it. So you really need to have that analysis done, and that will tell you what size you need. Great. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Lloyd, you take care and have a good weekend. And, and Dan, that's a, a pretty common problem where, you know, people just plain take a guess on the size rather than doing the heat load calculations. And once it's too big, there's not a heck of a lot you can do about it other than, Put a smaller one in. Yeah, and, you know, the problem is, is everybody always thinks it's big, bigger is better. And, in, in, you know, in the great state of Texas, when it comes to air conditioning, that's not always true because bigger can cause a lot of issues. Um, sure, we can get the, the air as cold as you want, but if we're running 70% humidity at 68 degrees, you're going to be uncomfortable. Oh, so, you're sticky as heck. Right. So running that manual J heat, heat, uh, heat analysis and understanding what size you really need and there's you know even if you want it very cold in the house with the uh converter technology and the multi-stage we can get it very cold in the house and still control humidity so we have the technology to, to do uh basically take care of anybody's comfort needs now pick up the phone give me a call 214-787-1080 with any home improvement question you have 214-787-1080 80. Now, I've been doing my own home improvement stuff this weekend. Mostly maintenance is what I've been doing. You know, we, we all call it home improvement all the time, but really there is a difference between home improvement and home maintenance. Uh, for me, anything I'm doing to just keep the place up is maintenance. Home improvement is when you're doing something to make the home better than it was. So even like doing painting, uh, things like that, Yes, it spruces the house up, but that's really a maintenance thing more than it is an improvement. An improvement is you put a patio cover on, you put an addition on, you change out light fixtures from you know uh, incandescent to flore uh, fluorescent or LED. Those are improvements to the home. So there, there is a difference. So I've been doing a lot of home maintenance this weekend. Uh, had to change out the... The flow valve in one toilet, the toilet seat on an, on another toilet, and uh, messed up the lawnmower, had to work on it, trim bushes, all that kind of stuff. All all just the, the maintenance stuff that we say, why did I buy a house? Why, what, what, what was my re Oh, yeah, it's a great investment. That's right. 214-787-1080 is the number to call. Any home improvement question you have, feel free to pick up the phone, give me a call, and I'll see what I can do to help you out here on Texas Home Improvement. Yeah, we've also been 
going through repainting the house on the inside and uh, you know resealing everything caulking all of the gaps and all that stuff that periodically has to be done because we've been in the house now uh, January will be 14 years and when I bought the house I gutted it and redid it because my house was built in 1973 and yes it does have aluminum wiring in it I did not change all that out uh, there's nothing wrong with aluminum wiring as long as it's taken care of properly and that means using the right type of receptacles in other words the the light switches and the plug-in outlets are different for aluminum wiring than it is for copper wiring and if you've got aluminum wiring in your house you want to make sure you get the right type of outlets and such and if you do have to tie wires together aluminum and copper wires together or you're just making any type of, of joints uh, like putting light fixtures in things like that you want to make sure they make a grease that you use inside your wire nuts uh, it, it keeps everything bonding together better. Um, you, you know, one of the, the problems with aluminum wiring, it's not the wire that's an issue. It's the fact that the aluminum expands and contracts just like any metal does as it heats and cools with the electricity running through it. Your copper does it as well, just not as much. Well, aluminum actually allows the electricity to flow better than the copper does, but the copper doesn't expand and contract, so we have a less of a chance of the connections coming loose, causing a short, which causes the fire. And that's where aluminum wiring got a bad rap. Uh, as far as a way to move the electricity, it's actually a better way. But it did get a bad rap, and it really the only thing you have to do to keep it safe is periodically go through make sure that all the nuts and bolts and everything are tight on all electrical connections that are connected to the aluminum wiring that's it it's not that big a deal uh if you don't do it yeah it can it can be a problem uh, and if you put wires together improperly it can be a bigger problem so it's just one of those things you got to take care of uh would i ever tell you not to buy a house with aluminum wiring no i mean heck i bought one um would i tell you to, to check it and as you open up walls and stuff replace it yep that's what i've been doing i mentioned i you know i gutted the house well i gutted the kitchen and and added a bathroom and some things like that and any walls that i opened up the sheetrock completely i replaced the wires so my kitchen is all wired with aluminum wiring all the way back to the breaker box I didn't mix and match the stuff together. So as I replaced the circuit, I would replace the entire circuit, but I have not done everything in the house. Uh, it, but I did replace the, uh, the breaker panel because I just wanted to make sure all that was up to date when I did everything as well. Craig, appreciate you calling in. How can I help you? Uh, I've got two windows on my house. Uh, that the, I guess you call them uh, soldiers, the brick. They're, uh -huh. they're, 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 they stand out away from the, you know, about an inch and a half from the wall, the exterior wall. And every time it rains from that side of the house, we get water comes in. And we had the windows replaced. And when we, when they took those windows out, we looked around to see if we could see some water damage and maybe where it was coming from. And it, they ran water from the water hose 
from the top of the window, and it came in from the like the ledge, that top ledge of brick. It seeped through there, and I was wondering what. <laughs> if it's seeping through the brick itself, that's actually a very simple fix. They make uh, masonry sealers that you can put on there. It just soaks in and seals it up to where moisture doesn't travel through the brick and mortar any longer. Okay, it, uh, I put I put that caulk on there. It's supposed to be that, that uh, Lowe's or Home Depot, and mm-hmm. that didn't. It's still coming through on top of those windows. My question was, well, the, the brick is exposed on the side also? I mean, it's framed all the way around. Could it be right. coming through through both the sides and the top? Oh, it can. And, and it, it's not necessarily coming through where the window and the brick meet. It can literally soak through the brick itself. Okay. And that that's where I was talking about a sealer for the brick itself, because that's kind of what it sounds like you've got going here. If okay. it's water that's coming just through the the uh, open, you know, the gaps around the window that need caulking, usually simple caulking, boom, no. it's it's taken care of, and and you don't have to worry about it. But I'll, I'll use my own house as an example. I had an issue when I bought the house. I was getting water coming down through the fireplace. And I had a, a fireplace top put on it, everything to make sure that I didn't have issues up there. Well, it ended up, it was soaking through the brick and running down on the inside. I put a masonry sealer on it 13 years ago, and it's never happened again. And so the, the longevity of the sealer is, well, apparently 13 years plus, I guess. I don't yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, and a lot's going to depend on, you know, how abusive the weather is to it. But the, the masonry sealers, you don't see it on the brick. Uh, it's easy to apply. You can use a pump-up sprayer like the bug man uses uh-huh. and literally just spray it down. It soaks into the brick and seals it uh, so that you just don't have to worry about it any longer. Uh, you can... There's a, a place called White Cap, W-H-I-T-E, Cap, C-A-P, that you can uh, look at online. And they got several locations throughout the city as well, but they carry the products. Uh, and what you're looking for is a masonry sealer. Okay, because we were, we, were we were almost to the point where we are going to take all the brick around, out, recut it, and, and make it flush with the house. Cause... No, no, you, sh- you don't need to do that. <laughs> Okay, well, I appreciate it. All right, Craig, take care. And and a nice thing about using that masonry sealer, it's really inexpensive. It's not something that's going to cost you a lot. Don, this is Jim. How can I help you? Yeah, Jim, I've got a uh, an AC unit that's ten years old, and uh, it's a, a thirteen a fourteen sear three ton unit. We've got an eighteen hundred square foot house. And it is not as efficient as it was. It's still running fairly well. But, I mean, when it's a hot day, it runs continuously, never stopping, and my bills are going up. And I was wondering if you thought maybe I should look into uh, getting a new unit or just stick with that one until it dies. Well, as as a unit ages, it does get wear on it, and it doesn't become – I mean, it does become a little bit less efficient. And by the time it's 20 years old – you've typically cut the efficiency in half. Now, yours is only 10 years old. Um, you know, it, but let me ask you a quick question. How You've been keeping it maintained? Yes, absolutely. Stay clean. Yeah. Yeah, the guys come out and check it. Yeah, it's been taken care of. If it was mine and it's not broke down yet, yes, I would start setting funds aside to replace it. 
but I'll be honest with you, at a 14 sear unit, I I would not be replacing it yet. Okay. Now, this is a three-ton unit. Do you think I'd do better next time I went with a four-ton unit? No, I think you need to get the load calculations done to, to make sure you get the right size because it very well could be that they put the wrong size in when they did this one. Okay. Uh, and that's something you may want to consider doing now because if it is the wrong size, then it would make sense to get a new one okay. at this point. Uh, you, okay. you could give Advent a call, and they can discuss with you what's involved in that load calculation. But okay. if you oversize it, you'll run into a humidity problem in the room, and you want to avoid that. So uh, okay. the short answer is no, I wouldn't necessarily re recommend going to a bigger size. Uh, you mind my asking what brand it is? It's an American Standard. Okay, definitely, because your compressor had a 10-year warranty on it with, the, with American Standard. Right. I definitely would not get in too big a rush to change that out. Those are some great units. And to be honest with you, uh, places have been selling 13-seer units up until just a few months ago, and now it's stepping up to the 14-seer units. So you're still on current technology. I think okay. you need to get somebody out there who specializes with the American Standard Equipment. Uh -huh. Let them make sure that everything is tweaked the way it should be. Do the load calculations to make sure it's sized properly. And if that's the case, stick with it. Well, thank you very much for your help. You bet, Don. Take care. All right, bye. Yeah, and, you know, air conditions are one of those things. Yeah, eventually we, they all got to be replaced, but there's no reason to replace it if you're not having issues. And I understand his electric bill is going up, but there are a lot of other things that can cause the electric bill to go up. Loose wires in a breaker panel can cause the electric bill to go up. Loose wires tying into the unit can cause the electric bill to go up because it'll start arcing and that runs an electric bill up. And that's the reason I want to make sure it gets serviced on a regular basis. Barry, this is Jim. How can I help you? Yeah, I got a question on uh, these smart tiles, the uh, the self-adhesive tiles. Yeah. We use as a backsplash for a, a, a motor home. What do you think about that as far mm. as... Uh, using uh, another kind of adhesive. I've been on the internet, and some people say it's not needed. Some people say don't put uh, another type of adhesive because the two adhesive might not uh, uh, form correctly against each other. Yeah, they may not be compatible with each other. Yes. Uh, but but I'm thinking because the in the summertime when I'm not using it, the RV gets hot, mm -hmm. and of course. In the wintertime, it gets real, real cold. Okay. And so what are you wanting to put in there? Uh, these smart tiles. The, 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 they're kind of like uh, glass gel tiles. It's right. kind of like a, peel, a peeling stick. Right. On the, 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 uh, but you want to use know, it for a backsplash? Yeah, for a backsplash, uh-huh. Okay. My experience, and, 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 it's, and it's, it's a lot different than a regular top because it's lightweight. That's why I want to go with that instead of a, a real tile because of yeah. the, the weight issue. Yeah, my experience with the peel and stick stuff is it doesn't stay permanently. And the biggest problem I think you'll run into in, in a motorhome or a travel trailer or anything like that. It's not always climate controlled. And, you know, when you let it heat up like that, the glues will get soft a lot of times. And that's where it, it would sometimes come loose. Okay. Uh, if you're looking for a backsplash that's lightweight, 
and something you don't have to worry about, you know, necessarily coming loose. Uh, I don't know if you've seen them, but the uh, the metal backsplashes, uh, they're, they're made out of tin and aluminum, uh-huh. uh, where it's just a stamped metal. Have yes. they, they made a comeback again. They're extremely lightweight. They can be attached permanently because not only can you use the adhesive on it, but uh, on the edges you can actually use a nail or something to fasten them into the whatever you're, they're going on to. Uh, I, th- I personally would take a look at that instead because the okay. heat's not going to affect them. And I would Google, Google what, like a metal... Oh, man, they're readily available at the box stores. Okay, I'll check that out. Thank you. You bet. Take care, Barry. Sorry. 1-800-288-9227. And, you know, if, if, you, if you have an RV, weight is an issue. Every pound you put in, there's another pound the vehicle's got to pull and drops your fuel mileage that much more. So I, I understand that because I, I love to go RVing. Uh but that, those those metal ones, uh, they're extremely light, very durable. And like I said, you don't have to worry about the heat affecting them uh, just sitting outside where a lot of the, the materials you do. Ten, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hi, Jim. Hello. I had a question. Uh, my uh, kid had a bad problem with eczema, uh, dry skin condition. Um, so I have to have... Uh, uh, to take out the chlorine in the water uh, in my home, and I just wonder if the uh, water softener be good enough, or it had to be like something like a reverse osmosis type of uh, system. Well, the water softener is going to take out m- most of the chemicals that are in the water, like the chlorine and things like that. What a reverse osmosis is going to do is remove all the mineral deposits that are left in the water and such. So I doubt if you need to go that far. I, th- I think the softener is probably all that you're going to need. However, you're going to want to talk with your doctor to make sure that a salt-type softener will be okay because there is a very minor amount of salt that does go through the system when you use a regular softener. But that is the mm-hmm. whole purpose of it is to take all those chemicals and stuff out. Oh, I see. Okay. So it would, would be able to uh, take it out, take the chlorine out, then uh, very effectively then? Yes, very. it's very effective, yes. Okay, all right. Thank you, sir. You have a good day. You as well. Take care. Yeah, that's one of the reasons, uh, you know, water softeners make it where you don't need to use as much soap. It takes all the hard water out. You don't need to... Uh, it, it just uh, it makes your clothes come out better. Everything works better when you have a softener, especially if you're in an area like, you know, San Antonio, the hill country, where they got really hard water, it really makes a huge difference there. Uh, But you really need to talk with the doctor before making a a total selection uh, as far as how low do you need to get it. And then talk with your company, uh, you know, that you're going to use to do the the stuff, because they're, the different systems will take different amounts of the chemicals out. Now, we, we were talking a little earlier about the, you know, stuff to save energy on your home. We were talking about the LED bulbs, and we've been talking about air conditioning and things like that. Well, there's a lot of things we can do around our house 
to help save money on our energy bills. And I know when the weather gets like it is today, we don't worry about it quite as much. But we really need to. Because it's a year-round thing. It doesn't go away. Well, one of the items that we really typically don't use properly is the programmable thermostat in order to save energy when we're not at home. Really set that programmable thermostat between eh, 5 or 6 degrees, but no more than 8. And really, I don't even like to see you go to 8 because you use too much energy to cool a place back down. When you're cooling the, the place back down, you're having to cool all the furniture back down, all the insulation back down, everything you know that's related to the structure back down. That's the reason you don't want to get your, your temperature up too much. At 5 degrees, it doesn't take a whole lot to bring it back down and make the house comfortable. And you're not using more energy than you're saving. So be careful on, on that when you're doing the, the programmable thermostats. That is probably the single biggest place that people make a mistake when they're uh, using the programmable thermostats is they want to raise it 10 degrees or something like that. You can do that if you're leaving for a weekend or a week or something like that. Uh, really, on a house, under no circumstance should you shut the, the power off or the, the AC off completely. Uh, if you're going away on a long-term vacation, you can turn the air conditioner up to, say, 80 degrees, but I really wouldn't go much beyond that because at that, uh, now you're getting up to where humidity levels can rise in the home and things like that that you don't need to happen because the, the, the air conditioner is more than temperature. It's controlling that moisture as well. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.